0: Welcome one, welcome all. It is Monday, Football Monday, the best show on the SB Nation NFL Show Podcast Network. I am R. Joe Joe. He is Pete Smith. Michael Kist. We are the Monday Football Monday crew. We are here every shocker here Monday to recap what we saw on Sunday throughout the League of National Footballs. Kist. Pete, how are you guys doing this wonderful Monday morning that we recorded?
2: You know, Pete tried to put the Eagles on this on the show sheet. And of course, you know, me covering yeah. them, I said, no, you know what? Let let's let's not do that. So that's kind of how I'm feeling. Like, you know, it wasn't real a real disappointing loss, but we don't have to talk about it, man. So that, that's
1: where I'm at. Pete, how you doing, brother? Well, what? for the Third Monday Football Monday this year. Happy game day to you guys. It's Chiefs game day, which we're excited about. I think every NFL year has a week where you don't know what you're talking about week. And that was, I think, week six of the 2020 season. And to all you millennials out there, you think you know the league, but you have no idea. And I think that's what we got.
0: Two things here, Kissed. One, did you know it was the Chiefs' third Monday night game of the year? Because Pete hasn't told us that. I'd was unaware of this.
2: The Chiefs are the only team that I follow and that anybody should follow in the
0: NFL. Right. They're the
1: Kings, right? They're the champs. These are the two no- news stories. The Chiefs won again or someone upset the Chiefs. That's what you have to be <laughs> worried about in this run-it-back season.
0: If, if it was not obvious, you can, of course, follow Michael Kiss's work on a daily basis at Bleeding Green Nation. SB Nation's home for Philadelphia Eagles content. Pete, again, shocker here, covers the Kansas City Chiefs for us at Arrowhead Pride. I cover America's team who also plays tonight on Monday Night Football, the real Monday Night Football game. You can follow us at com. That was my first thing. Uh, kissed, my second thing. Both of my things are addressed to you specifically. Pete's over here like, oh, yeah, it's it's a weird week. It's a weird week. I think it's because Pete took a look at the Monday Football Monday Pick'em group. Pete mm. had a weird week of picks. And so that's, oh, it's, it's the one weird week of the year. You know what I mean? It w- wasn't weird for Kissed and RJ, but it was weird for Pete Sweeney.
1: Hard to predict. And I think everybody was going through this this past Sunday. And I can understand it. I can relate to you. It was... Tough week to predict, but look, that's why there are 17 weeks, maybe an 18th week this year. We'll get back to it next week, won't we? Come on.
0: All right, Uh so uh, speaking of the picks, we tweet these out every week. You should follow all of us on Twitter if you don't. What are you doing here? Honestly, delete the app. It's really your fault. We, we tweet them out. And if you're new around here, we have a specialty thing that we talk about. Charcuterie board picks. A charcuterie board mm. pick is when you are on an island. When you're the only person of us three that believes that that team is going to win. Michael kissed, sir. You cover the Philadelphia Eagles mostly, but you are a huge Tennessee Titans fan. And you were the only one. Who took the Titans? Got the big overtime win over the Houston Texans, forty-two to thirty-six. Derrick Henry. I saw a tweet that said, "I hope all the people that say don't pay running backs are seeing what Derrick Henry is doing in Nashville." <laughs> Kissed your thoughts on your Titans?
2: Well, number one, I, I told you guys that we weren't respecting them enough coming into this thing, right? And and speaking yes, of guy. <laughs> speaking of Derrick Henry, he's had he's had two one hundred yard games already this year, but he also had. 31 and 26 carries in those games respectively this was by far his best of the season and it didn't take him long to get going at all first run one for one for 18 a little later he hit for 34 we all saw the 94 yarder late where he broke the land speed record uh outstanding stat of the day 174 yards for henry after contact he even added a 53 yard reception that helped set them up for the wildcat wildcat touchdown from five yards out great vision this game great patience and when he got rolling he rolled this was like what all the advertising and the hype was telling me Henry was supposed to be this season hadn't seen it really this year until yesterday uh well, when he's on it's scary af uh titans offensive coordinator arthur smith is going to get some calls this offseason because what he's done with Ryan Tannehill during his time there is nothing short of magical. He's been with the Titans since 2011. He started as a defensive quality control coach, and almost every year he's taken on a new role. Watch out for his name as head's role around the league as we go through this. Speaking of coordinators, I miss, and I'm sure the Titans miss, The Blitzmaster, Dean Pease, who retired after last season, Titans going without a D.C. this year. I think they're worse off for it, uh, despite some success against the Bills last week. Uh, And look, this offense for the Texans does look different when Will Fuller is healthy. We should recognize that. Guy hasn't played a full 16 in his career, was dealing with a hamstring issue this year. But you notice when he's at 100% because he's got the Jets 6 123 and one was his stat line in this one. His third 100-yard game of the year. Him and Watson are the only things keeping this team in games because, for all the praise that I put on the Titans' offense, the Texans' defense is certified booty cheeks, and I'm not surprised at all that they got lit up. Uh, it's going to take a while to fix this thing in Houston, and it looks like Jack Esterby who started with the Kansas City Chiefs as a chaplain, is going to be tasked with finding the men to do it. And it's a good thing he's religious because they need Jesus in Houston.
1: Yeah, praise the Lord to fix that mess in, in Houston. Well, I, I just think what everybody else thinks, right? Derrick Henry is a mirage. He's a mirage. Six feet three, 238 pounds. And he runs to me like one of these speedbacks in a way. Uh, The Titans finished this game with a franchise record 601 yards of total offense. Fantasy Joe Anthony Fersker had 113 of those yards, uh, much to the chagrin of all those John Smith owners. (laughs) Uh, Ryan Tannehill looks like a legitimate franchise guy. Kissed, you noted Will Fuller has the Jets well. 30 for 41, 364 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Shout out to Adam Gase uh, for uh, not being able to do that with Ryan Tannehill. Derek Henry, <laughs> 212 yards, two touchdowns, two receptions for 52 yards to screen in overtime. Uh, didn't make sense in my brain. That's what I'm talking about with the Mirage. Just doesn't look like that he should be able to run that fast. A couple facts here. Titans are 16-0 and when Henry runs for at least 100 yards. Titans have scored at least 31 points in four straight games. The key sequence for me here was the Texans score with less than two minutes left. And Romeo, Romeo, oh, wherefore? Don't be on the outside? wrong side of this, Pete. Romeo, my man, says instead of making it an eight-point lead, we're going to make it a nine-point lead, ending this thing. The two-point conversion fails. The Titans score on a five-yard touchdown run. We talked about how I didn't like the aggression from Zimmer last week. This one I like. You have a touchdown lead anyway. This is the type of calculated risk you take. It took the Titans until four seconds left on the clock to score. It didn't work out, but this, my friends, and let me walk you through this here. This is an example of good aggression. It didn't work out, but that's the type of decision you make because you still have the touchdown lead. Upsetting for the Texans, who are on the verge of sort of retelling their 2020 story. You're about to be 2-4 and four after a great win and shredding the shackles of woke Bill. And now you're 1-5. And, and now it's a two-loss window to make the playoffs. Um, and then another note for you guys. Did anyone watch the overtime toss? Because Deshaun Watson knew the game was over as soon as he saw that the Texans had lost... Uh, The toss. and I'm just going to whisper this here. College overtime rules are better. Coins should not be determining the livelihood of people in the NFL. Great game. The game of the week.
0: Pete wants everybody uh, to acknowledge that overtime stance as the Patrick Mahomes rule kissed from the 2018 AFC championship game. Just so we're all clear. It all comes back to the Chiefs. (laughs) I liked the aggression from Romeo Cornell. I think that Mike Vrabel should have gone for two after scoring the touchdown in the final seconds of the game. Obviously, still worked out for the Titans in that they won. Kissed. uh, We talked about this in our pre-show meeting. Very official stuff. Lots of coffee and donuts going around the three of us. Twitter is talking and Broadway Sports was the first place I saw officially do a write-up and an analysis on this. But it appears, Pete, you mentioned the touchdown the Texans had to take the lead late in the game. When Houston was driving, it does appear Appear Um, No confirmation yet, but that Mike Vrabel intentionally kissed through 12 men out on the field in an effort to stop the clock and save some time because it was second and one for the Texans. He knew they would eventually convert that uh, stopping the clock being conserving the clock more than anything at that moment. Time is the true enemy. It was inevitable. It's a lot of times people playing mad let them score, you know, just just to get the ball back, give yourself a chance. Obviously, ideally, you hold the Texans to a field goal. The Titans didn't, but still ended uh, ended up winning. Let's assume that's true because there's a lot of reason to believe that that's true. We've seen, again, as Broadway Sports noted, uh, Mike Vrabel has done this before. We obviously all saw what he did against the Patriots last year in those hijinks. Is, Is Mike Vrabel... Yeah, because I think Pete's right. I think Ryan Tannehill is certainly in the mix for you know top quarterbacks in the NFL. I don't know what number we want to put on that and exhaust ourselves debating, but. Mike Vrabel is a is a better coach than Ryan Tannehill as a quarterback to me, which isn't a shot at Tannehill. I am a fighting Texas Aggie myself, but that was really impressive. And and it, to Pete's point, I mean, they scored the game tying touchdown with four seconds left. Those forty or whatever seconds they conserved ended up being precious.
2: I mean, this is this comes down to Bill Belichick, and you, that's what I was going to talk about was how this happened with the Patriots and the Titans last year, where they kind of go back and forth with trying to draw penalties and save time and whatnot, and eventually one of them just throws up the white flag and says, "Okay, you." got it but yeah i mean it's it's a super smart move You, you know the rule book in and out and you take every avenue that you absolutely can to conserve time and go win yourself a football game so nothing but praise for Vrabel here like if people are mad at him i i just don't get it man that's 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 the way it goes you take advantage you take every avenue you can to win the game Rabel is a hero for that. I would do the same. And Pete's over here shaking his head. Come on, Pete. If you were playing Madden,
1: would you not Would you not do that? Or are you fair? It's not fair. It's a good point uh, by you. You play to win the game, which is uh, exactly why we all watch and, and they play on Sundays. What I, I would say is I think it was brilliant. I think it was Belichickian. What it's funny to me is nobody that comes under Belichick as a coach can have success. But this is a former player. And I think he's earned his baby belly Nickname here, and good for him. (laughs) It won the Titans the game. That move won the Titans the game. So good on him and a really smart coach. And for what it's worth, he's breaking through what I think is this thought among NFL people where, oh, he's these big, bulky you know, scatterbrained head coach. He's just toughness. No, he's like a really, really smart and wise football coach. He's like the wise old owl in some of those Tootsie Pop commercials. I I like Mike <laughs> Vrabel, and and he deserves to be there. Good for him. And the
2: team is the team is built in his image, right? And like a lot of uh, coaches preach yeah. toughness and everything like that. This Titans roster is is tough and smart from from the first guy to the fifty third.
0: The Titans to me just kind of feel like like you know like a a colder day outside where like you haven't shaved and and you're just you, you feel the wind on your neck you know what i mean like in in in, in your eyes like that's just what i feel when mm. i watch the titans like like an intense you know i i can't wait to take a shower type a warm hot shower type thing you know talking about like i, no. don't, I don't know what that is like it it's a, there's a lot of work in what they do which is a good thing i realized that that, that well, got a bit off the rails
1: we we thought that in the afc the flashy teams that were the chiefs and the ravens that they would be at this point You know, one and two, but it's these blue collar
0: organizations, the Steelers and the
1: Titans. Who will meet
0: next week, by the way, in the rescheduled game.
1: Yeah. They're the cream of the crop right now, and it's blue collar, you know, no shave movember whatever you want to call it i'm ready to go to the steel factory and put the weight on my back type of teams and i'm excited for that matchup next
0: Pete, week. you mentioned uh, the premier teams in the afc we had a premier showdown in the nfc on sunday afternoon one of two games on during the afternoon window and i know that there were a lot of people obviously focused on the Jets-Dolphins contest, but we are going to talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming out party. Aaron Rodgers had the celebration that confused a lot of people over the age of 35. After that, it was all downhill. Tampa Bay gets the dub 38-10. to 10. Pete, Tom Brady, Rob Gronkowski, they hooked up. It's just like old times.
1: I'm always down for a battle of the Bays. You know me. I like to see that. You're going to look at this score and think oh that was complete domination and it was but after one quarter and three minutes into the second quarter it was the packers up 10 nothing this was a pick six into confidence for the buck secondary into buying tom brady enough time to get that old engine cooking right and yes the 65 camaro it still rides This was a different game entirely after the pick six, six, cornerback Jamel Dean, uh, Bruce Arians agreed after the game. The drive after that basically should have been another pick six with safety Mike Edwards returning the ball to the two. How rare were two interceptions for Aaron Rodgers? The first time he's thrown more than one pick in a game since December of 2017 a Raj finished an embarrassing 16 of 35 for 160. He looked off all game, and a good reason was because he was hit 13 times by the Bucks defense. Tom Brady finished with 166 yards. I thought he played well, but this game was very 2015 Broncos to me. I think Brady is good enough, but the defense is that good. And if they're in Super Bowl contention at the end of the year, it's probably going to be defense first. Brady doing enough seconds. I, th-
2: I think you're exactly right, Pete. I think it's misguided to focus on 38 points in the Bucks' offense when you hold Aaron Rodgers to 160 yards. He doesn't complete 50% of his passes, no touchdowns, those two interceptions you talked about. You know, you mentioned the, the pick six. Good buddy of mine, John Ledger, to uh, Pewter Report, wrote an article, and the headline is Game Changer, Dean's Splash Play Ignites Bucks." and it's 100% correct. It's down mm-hmm. 10 points, right? Rodgers bird dogs Devontae Adams. Jamel Dean jumps in front. And, and Dean, who had a plethora of pass breakups in the Chicago game, if you remember, I think there were four in that one for him, said he saw something in the formation that keyed him into the throw. This guy is a film junkie. It's showing up every week now. This is confidence in the technique. This is confidence in the film study. This is an elite athlete. That is using the old brain ball to accentuate all of that. And after that, only 52 yards for the Packers. 52 yards for the first-ranked DVOA offense per Football Outsiders coming into the week. So, I mean, the Bucs offense should get some credit for, for doing the job. But all you had to do with that type of defensive performance was not be catastrophic in that case. Bucks' defense definitely won that game.
1: Impressive by Dean, to. A beat out variable for brain of the week, which we didn't <laughs> know was a reward,
0: but he gets it this week. Uh, they had the pick six, and there was a lot of chatter in the moment on Twitter. It's the third pick six of Aaron Rodgers' career, and then they almost did it again, Yeah, which was amazing. You're right. This game really just kind of flipped. Uh, it was one of those if you took like a 15-minute power nap, you woke up in a phase. Phase? Fog? I don't know whatever either one Um, (laughs) wondering kind of what happened this did feel um, obviously Leonard Fournette was inactive a bit of a surprise but felt like the the finding of a running identity for the Bucks with Ronald Jones Mm. clearly his best performance as a member uh, of the team Um, I don't know if that sticks because Bruce Arians is is, you know wily and cheeky as uh, you know NFL media likes to to hype him up as it felt like I, I think you both would agree here the Buccaneers were talking a lot of talk over the offseason they got the new uniforms they got Tom Brady they were getting a lot of national coverage and it felt like they hadn't really had a win that validated their ability to to have this bravado just it kind of felt like that sort of game in the fourth quarter you know the cuts to sue and, and everybody kind of this is who we are yeah this is the team where we are we fire the cannons we're having fun but uh it was okay I I, I give the bucks a lot of props
2: I think I want to give some credit, too, to the guys on offense, since we did talk, talk so much about the defense. You know, after being humiliated and hip-tossed by Khalil Mack last week, Tristan Wirfs went back to being dominating. Same for the rest of the offensive line that sprung seriously against the Bears. Guard Ali Marpet, center Ryan Jensen uh, get special mention here as well. That's three big-time seasons along that line that they're having. So a nice bounce back from the offensive line as well, which is going to be extremely important as we go through the season. You mentioned the running game didn't really click at first, but it started going as the game you know goes along. And of course, keeping Tom Brady upright and clean is going to be key to them moving throughout the season.
0: Do you guys think the Packers are maybe fraudulent? The last year's knock on them was you beat up on the, the tomato cans <laughs> and you play San Francisco, you get housed. This had the shape of that. I don't know that, that that's exactly who they are quite yet. They beat New Orleans and that was impressive but peter are you are you selling any of your packer stock
1: i don't think so i think the Buccaneers defense is the story more so than the Packers maybe being fraudulent. I think the Packers play this game again; they're a little bit better. They 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 know going in; they're going to have to be really perfect, pretty much on offense. And I think moving forward, we're going to see the Bucks. This game is really going to give the defense confidence. And to Tom Brady's credit, he is doing enough. So this is now, I think, going to be a team that people mark and say it's going to be tough to beat because of the defense. And the Packers will be right there. I think this was a bad game, a little bit of quicksand with a like. I I said back-to-back pick sixes and we'll see how they respond if there's a fraud in the nfc there's actually
2: two teams number one the chicago bears at five and one are the biggest paper tigers at five and one that have ever papered a tiger before yes I mean, agreed and also you have the fraud bowl coming up between the bears and the los angeles rams who we'll talk about later los angeles rams they've got four wins they're all against the nfc east and we know what the nfc east is so that one's going to be that one's really going to tell us like who is the fraud, who can possibly be legit. I think the Green Bay Packers will be fine after this one.
0: I feel like to that point, Kiss, Matt Nagy is the opposite of Mike Vrabel. Like Mike Vrabel has <laughs> earned every bit of the Titans record. You know what I'm saying? Like you look at him. say that, But necessarily. Matt, Matt Nagy, the last two weeks has tried to give the game away to Tampa Bay and to Carolina. I mean, dude, this situational football here is not complicated. But, you know, Nick Foles, all he does is win. Who knows how it happens? It's magical, it's mysterious, it's whatever you want to call it, but the Indianapolis Colts managed to overcome a 21-point deficit, rallying to beat Joe Burrow's Cincinnati Bengals, what do Colts fans think? How enthused are they? Are they worried? Are they panicked? Are they ecstatic? What are they? We're going to find out. Michael Kist, you're about to speak with Chris Blystone from Stampede Blue, SB Nation's home for Indianapolis Colts content. Let's hear that interview right now.
2: It wasn't always pretty, but the Colts bounced back from a loss to the Cleveland Browns with a 31-27 to win over the Cincinnati Bengals, and they did it with a big performance from Phillip Rivers, who got a little drunk last week but was sober and dealing in this one. Uh, Chris, what are your takeaways from this one from the Colts' point of view? Well, this is the first time we've actually seen
3: Phillip Rivers really get the passing game going. He still had that textbook Phillip Rivers mistake that was kind of at a a really bad time. I mean, he throws, he forces the ball into double coverage. The weird thing in this game is that it's still not the Colts' leaders uh, as far as pass catchers kind of taking the lead here. We had two uh, practice squad guys get get bumped up on Saturday and then on Sunday actually in DeMichael uh, Harris and Marcus Johnson, who were both big factors in the game. Marcus Johnson was huge. Um, He's been on and off the Colts team before, so he's not a stranger to the Colts. But um, T.Y. Hilton, one catch for 11 yards, and that's still been a real problem for this offense. But it was nice to see the passing game get going uh, such as it was. It was still slow. Uh, The offense still, the stat line looks really good. But if you watch that game, you still don't see a team that was just this dominant passing attack. It was definitely a bit of a grind and kind of still a frustrating watch in terms of the actual product on the field.
2: Let's talk about the Colts defense because they entered the week as the top DVOA defense in the league and though that shine has faded a little over the last couple of weeks I would say they still made some big plays towards the end of the game you know you had DeForest Buckner sack on on third and 12 the third and one stuff that was followed by a missed field goal after the interception by Jesse Bates to keep the lead for the Colts and then the nail in the coffin Julian Blackman's interception with less than a minute to go Chris, what's the confidence level in Matt Eberflus to keep this unit at a top five level? And why have they been so successful this year? So I'm pretty confident that they're going to
3: stay really, really a good defense. And the main reason is that the scheme sets them up to make plays. Uh, they're good tackle. They may be the best tackling defense in the NFL. They just don't miss tackles. And um, th- they swarm to the ball. The problems that they run into aren't necessarily scheme related as communication related. They make mistakes sometimes in uh, the linebackers didn't have Darius Leonard. That's a big deal. I mean, you're losing an all pro linebacker. It's it's hard to just replace them. And I think they've done a, a reasonably good job, but uh, not having him there definitely makes a difference. And then they had had mental errors. I mean, Rocky Sin had had some dumb mistakes in this game. Uh, stupid penalty where he thought he was in the WWE for a minute. And um, I, his German suplex was excellent, but it's really maybe a better place for that than on the field. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty pleased with what they got. The only thing that maybe I would say they need to think about changing is they need to start to bring some pressure early. The defense has got a couple of slow starts the last few games, and I think it's because they like to run four uh, and blitz as little as possible. They may need to change that up just so that offensive game plans that are they're putting their protection plans in place, they can't just count on being able to, to see four guys for the first
2: half of the game. It's funny, Rocky Sin was my yeet of the week, which is usually saved for quarterback throws, like big-time throws of the week. But that one, <laughs> even though it got the penalty, man, what what a beautiful German super place. But you're right, you know, not necessarily the right place for it. The form was excellent. Yeah. So the, the Colts are 4-2 and two now. They have their bye week this week. And uh, what I like to do with each guest here is get their record prediction over the next four games. So after the bye, it's the Detroit Lions uh, in Detroit. Then you're home for the Ravens at the titans and then home for the packers that is not an easy stretch so chris what is the Colts record after those next four games, in your opinion? It's
3: gonna to be tough. I mean, we knew this going in. You look at the back stretch of this Colts season and it really tightens up. Uh, I'm one of those people that thinks that the Colts defense is actually pretty well suited to face the Ravens, but I think the Lions that, that's a win. that's of those four games, that's about the only one I feel really confident in saying I think the Colts go in and win. But I actually think they have a shot at the Ravens. They they match up well against that team and and you know, they're a good run defense they're disciplined, they stay home. They don't make a ton of really big play mistakes that that I don't think they're going to let them in. The Titans, man, they're that team that, they're they're like the Colts little brother that has kind of taken the shine a little bit over the past couple of years. I don't know. I've got to say I'm going to give them a two and two split. I don't think they can beat the Packers. And I'm not sure whether they they drop one to the Ravens or the Titans. But I think one of those games they're going to drop. And
2: I think if they get out of there with two and two uh, over that stretch, they'll be doing really well. Yeah. Titans are really looking tough. Uh, Last question, Chris. Do you think Philip Rivers has the juice to make this team a serious contender when we hit playoff time?
3: Well, I don't think Philip Rivers by himself has the juice, and I don't think that he did coming into this season. Um, He moves so slow that I'm pretty sure my grandpa could get out there and outrun that guy. He is the slowest moving quarterback I think I've ever seen. And so you don't want him to have to move around, and they need the offensive line to be protecting him well. And they've done okay, but they haven't been at the level they were last year or over to 2018. If he has to carry this team, that's not something he can do. Uh, he makes bad decisions under pressure. He doesn't have the ability, the mobility to, to really impact defenses that way. And he doesn't have a lot of playmakers. I mean, the Colts lost three of their their skill position players in Michael Pittman, Paris Campbell and Marlon Mack early in the season. And it's clear that that's affected his ability to be a really good quarterback. He needs to be an asset to the team, but not the guy carrying them on his on his back. And the Colts can't really run the ball well uh, if they can't start to do that better. And and find ways to get Jonathan Taylor involved in the offense that doesn't just involve him running it up the gut into an eight-man box. Um, <laughs> it's really going to be hard for Rivers because he's not capable of carrying this team anymore. Um, the good news maybe is they could expect that if they can hang around and make it to the playoffs, Paris Campbell might be able to come back. Um, they're supposed to get Michael Pittman Jr. maybe back after the bye. They're, they're getting some weapons back to where maybe he doesn't have to carry that load, but it's going to be ugly if they ask Philip Rivers uh, to go win games for them because he is just as likely to throw the ball away as he is to win that game for him. So.
2: Well, I definitely wish you the best of luck moving forward. And Chris, go ahead and uh, plug yourself where people can find you on social media. Plug your your pods where you where you write all that good stuff, man. Far away.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Twitter at Chris Blystone. I write for Stampede Blue, and we have a bunch of different podcasts on the Stampede Blue Podcast Network. Mine is Stampede Radio. And uh, we do some some game breakdowns. We've got a guy, uh, Chris Shepard, on our podcast who does opponent scouting reports. So you've probably read something and uh, hated something he said about your team. He's pretty—he's the most brutally honest guy I've ever met. So he, he's not too much of a homer and I really, uh, really enjoy his work. But you can check that out. We do a game preview every weekend before the game. Yeah, lots of good stuff on Stampede Blue. Guys on there really kind of stepping up their game, trying to do some of that film work for you. So if you want to know a lot about football, not even just about the Colts, but about your team, uh, that's where you can find a lot of our stuff.
0: We'll be back after a quick break from a word from our sponsors. All right, boys. Welcome back. Shout out. Thanks again to Chris Blystone from Stampede Blue for talking some Colts bangles with us. Kissed, you alluded to it shortly before the break. The Los Angeles Rams, the frauds. Uh, I watched this game with my dad and he did not understand the gradient color associated with the Rams uh, numbers on their uniforms. He thought it was lame. Can't say I disagree with him all too much, but the performance from the Rams certainly was lame. 24 to 16, the final score. San Francisco back in the conversation for NFC West. Runner-up, the ultimate bridesmaid, because we all know Russ is going to cook that division all the way through Week 17. Kissed your thoughts on Kyle Shanahan's version of Jimmy Garoppolo? I'll say that I saw a tweet, and I forgive me for forgetting who tweeted it. This was the the like ideal Madden game in the ultimate coaches protecting their quarterbacks bowl with shanahan garoppolo and, and mcveigh and goff
2: with the 49ers kind of like we talked about with green bay like they're going to be fine after this loss to tampa bay and it was a blowout and whatever and last week the 49ers kind of experienced that same kind of blowout this week they come out and they beat a, a, a you know it's a every divisional game is a tough one and they come out and they really dominate this one and, and kind of like what i what i said with the rams i'm waiting to see like i think this team is for real I think they've changed their stripes. I think they're not as predictable on offense as they became over the years, as stagnant as they became. But you got to do it against somebody that's not the NFC East. I got Mm -hmm. I got to know that. So that's where I'm at right now with the Rams. I'm kind of holding serve to really fire off the take until next week.
1: It doesn't get any worse than losing right now to the Philadelphia Eagles, which the 49ers did two (laughs) weeks ago. A week later, abracadabra, they were Fitzmagic, a 43-17 loss to the Dolphins. So the reigning NFC champions come into Sunday Night Football against who we've agreed, as we've said on this show, a good L.A. Rams football team. You have people making the typical laugh at the Sunday Night Football schedule jokes because they can't change the schedule on the fly this early. The 49ers come in and and they just ask some questions like, hey, guys, remember Debo Samuel? How about the man we think is the best tight end in the league and Mr. George Kittle? Did you forget how handsome Jimmy G is? (laughs) Nowadays, everybody want to talk that like they got something to say, oh, but nothing comes out when they oh, move no. their lips. Just a bunch of gibberish. Whoa. I and smell a come up of the week. Like they forgot about the 49ers. This was a tale of two <laughs> quarterbacks here. Jimmy G looked like a franchise guy. Jared Goff looked like a system guy. The system didn't work on Sunday night. And Jimmy G, now healthy, made plays, and it's time. You wait for it, all show here it is. The come up of the week goes to my guy, Debo Samuel. Six for six, does not get enough credit for, I think, the player he is and how dynamic he is, the different formations you can run him in. He is back. He is healthy. And the 49ers now are making things interesting. I don't think they win that division with all the cooking, too much smoke in that kitchen, but they're going to be in the playoffs. This looks like if they're healthy enough, they will be a playoff team, one of the seven teams in the NFC, and then you see if they can make it back.
0: So I hate to keep focusing on this. Do you remember circa two thousand six when calling a timeout right before a field goal became a thing? Like I think I think Mike Shanahan was kind of the first one to do it, and then Dick Giron started to do it. Just it kind of became the thing where they would stand right near the official and, and you know, that was that was like a thing for that year. I love that. This is the year where even though this is like, cause that had happened before, but even though this has happened many times before, this is the year of the going for two controversy. And anytime going for two right. is, is up, you know, we all have to talk about the analytical approach to it. Obviously there's the Mike McCarthy version against Atlanta. There's Mike Zimmer. You mentioned earlier, Pete, there is Romeo Cornell and Mike Vrabel to a different degree from this same week. I was stunned and kissed. I'm going to assume you agree. Cause we've been simpatico on all of these so far that Sean McVay, he, of uh, super fresh sensation and vibes down nine, the Rams facing a, a nine point deficit, instead of going for two late in the game, decides to kick the extra point because you always make it a one possession game that bucked the trend because up up to this point, we have seen head coaches effectively kind of agree and lean on the aggressive side of the coin. This was the opposite approach.
2: Yeah, I mean it's a small swing, and look, I'm not surprised. Sean McVay is a coward, and he has been a coward. Oh, I don't call know him about out that. Too. Or you don't know
1: about that? Look at his fourth th- fourth I mean, down decision making. Did you for- see him on Hard Knocks? He he took his shirt off with his dog in the pool. I mean, <laughs> millions of people are going to see that. You got to understand. I'm not. I'm not going to call that a coward. There is coward. a
0: sense of bravery associated with that, to be fair. Uh, but I, <laughs> Sean McVay is overhyped is not the right way to put it. But he he does have some fearful tendencies. That show up in how he calls plays and coaches his football team. This is a flagrant example of that.
2: Pete, I mean, do you
1: agree with the decision to to kick the field goal and be a coward like he has for most of his career? I think it's smart, and as he said, to make it one a one possession game. And I think there's an aggr- there are times for aggression, and I I find, as I described earlier, like with Romeo, as long as you are. Like have the game at hand, or you're still giving yourself a chance. Maybe you make that take that aggression. But if you don't get it, the game's over. And so that to me is the right call. It's I know it's not, not popular over. nowadays. The
0: Cowboys but... are literally proof that it is not over. Right.
2: And it's and if you don't make it later, it is also over. You're gonna have that, to go for it at some
0: point, right? To me, Pete, this is nothing like the Romeo Cornell decision. The Romeo Cornell decision is similar to the the Mike Zimmer one in that there's some preference associated with that. There is a little bit more. I feel like being aggressive to that. The Sean McVay situation is identical to the Mike McCarthy one in that this is a variable decision. It, it isn't a matter of Let me of, just tell you something opinion. though,
1: RJ, like football isn't played on Excelsior. Oh, it's we played go. on the field. It's oh, played on the ground. It's a game of inches. And they were still giving themselves an opportunity to win the football game. Pete, you can't wear like reading glasses or regular prescription glasses and be talking like down on nerds. Like you're a writer. What what are, What are, what are but- we doing here? <laughs> I write with a pencil, and then I take that sheet, and I bring it to chorus, and then I write my articles. (laughs) That's the type of grind that I work on.
0: But shout out to Chris Collinsworth, who tried to explain the logic in the moment here. Al Michaels, what are you doing here? You
1: know pro football focus is only $30 (laughs) a year. Of course he's explaining (laughs) the analytical approach.
0: Al Michaels literally said... I love analytics as as much as anybody else, but sometimes you take the analytics and you throw it in the dumpster. That's right. That is the fight that I feel so many people, lots of our friends on Twitter have with the world, is there is this, frankly, archaic way of looking at football that this is how it's always done. You always do this, whatever. And then people like Mike Vrabel, who we hoisted up a little while ago come in and completely disrupt that which is why to go back to that i am surprised mike frable didn't go for two in that situation as well but i just i don't know the perception of sean McVay. i think on a national level is that he is this cutting-edge guy who's going to do things like that but he isn't which is why i think that the 49ers came out and bullied them 24 to 16 this was an impressive game to get back to san francisco george kittle looks great And I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback version of Sean McVay because now everybody's going to come out. Oh, you you don't talk about Jimmy Garoppolo when you talk about, you know, elite quarterbacks. Yeah, He's not. He's not an elite quarterback. And that's okay. You know,
1: earlier in this season, I said Jimmy Garoppolo. No, (laughs) Jimmy Garoppolo. Yes, that's that's the type of reversal that I have had with this guy when he's healthy. He's good enough. And in the NFL, you need a guy like that. He's top 15. Good for me. I'm excited to watch the 49ers the rest of the season.
0: It's time for our quick hits, though, boys. Uh, there was a lot of interesting stuff to happen across the league. I'll start and say that uh, kudos to the Atlanta Falcons. Also in all white getups, I was the only person to pick Atlanta in our pick 'em group. So again, shout out to me. With no Dan Quinn, they came out and beat the tails off of the Minnesota Vikings. Mike Zimmer is floating in in the space of head coaches on the hot seat. I think Adam Adam Gase is like at the top of that pyramid, uh, but Mike. Zimmer, I think, is is in that neck of the woods. I don't know if his seat is hotter than Kirk Cousins's. Justin Jefferson is a baller. Shout out to Atlanta. Uh, although not the Braves, obviously. Uh but uh shout out to the Atlanta Falcons for winning a meaningless game, I guess.
1: Yeah.
2: Like I know Pete wanted to talk about the Eagles or he wanted to force me to talk about the Eagles, so I'm
1: just gonna Well my my question my question, Kiss, and I, I know you won some type of little scouting thing or whatever. I was wondering has oh, the league the figured disrespect. out Lam- figured out Lamar Jackson to to a certain point? Because I from the outside looking in, it just seems like he's just not as explosive and, um, I guess, team moving this year.
0: You realize, Kiss, that the narrative of Lamar not being great exacerbates the idea that Patrick Mahomes is the only great quarterback in the AFC. Yeah,
1: right? no, I, I get where the angle is. I just don't don't see <laughs> Lamar Jackson the way he was last year. Like, are you going to put this guy on the cover of Madden? No, you may
0: you may end up putting
1: Tannehill or, or Getskowski on Madden. Next he's
0: year. literally on the cover of Madden. Well, I'm saying
1: if this, was, if this was next
0: year, I'm saying in the future.
1: Okay. So number 1 it was the
2: Scouting Academy Prove-it competition. Let's get it right it and show is. some respect, right? Okay. Okay, right. That's right. Now, now number 2 is Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens offense, the James Harden of the NFL. I think it's a Oof. good I think it's a good question to ask. you're onto something like they're completely out of rhythm. The Bengals set them out of rhythm. Uh, The Eagles were able to hem them up. I mean, they scored 30 points, but whatever. Like it, it, they don't look uh, as if they're this explosive awesome. They're kind of feast or famine, really. And it just seems like they really need this bye week coming up to figure it out. And that's what I'm kind of waiting for. I want to see how they come out of that bye week, how the offense works together after that. And I think they'll be okay. And they got some tough tests coming up to really kind of see what they are but right now they do kind of look like the james harden of the nfl
0: but about the eagles though i mean rallying back is that a is that a moral victory for right. the Eagles?
2: so philly was in a ball game that they had no right being in to begin with <laughs> uh and even more so after being down 17 nothing at half you know wentz was out here throwing touchdowns to guys like travis fulgham and jason kroom uh he had another big yolo ball to richard rogers uh nicknamed dick rod tell me with a straight face you know who those guys are Like, look at their depth chart from the offseason, and you'll see the original starters. By the end of the game, Carson Wentz and Jason Kelsey were the only two original starters. That's it on the field. That's it. Do you know who Jack Driscoll is? Probably not, but he started at right tackle. And by the way, he got hurt and was replaced by Brett Toth. Do you know who he is? I've never Brett seen Toth. a play a snap in my life. Brett the Hitman Toth. I cover the Eagles. This is the first season I legit have had to have the roster page open for every game. I have no idea who the hell these people are. Anyway, <laughs> fun game. Never felt better about two consecutive losses in my life as I have with these two They got to win against the Giants and take care of that division. We'll see if they're buyers or sellers at the trade deadline. Nothing matters. Eat Arby's. That's where I'm at.
0: Kissed, I do want to ask you one thing. I tweeted about this uh, during the game, and a lot of Cowboys fans had some fun with it. So we all know the situation with Dallas and Dak Prescott and Andy Dalton. If the Eagles do not win the NFC East this year, do you think that we would we would see some significant change? I don't know to what degree that would be, but because the, the narrative, I think, would be too powerful of Dallas lost Dak, whatever, you couldn't mm-hmm. get it done. I mean... But maybe what do you what's the clubhouse leader for that that seismic change?
2: Yeah, so I, I think Howie Roseman, if we see him become a buyer at the trade deadline, I think that mm. to me sends a clear message that Jeffrey Laurie has gone to him and said, Look, if you can't win the NFC East in these conditions, you are gone, my friend. So I think that's going to tell us where they're at with with Howie. I don't know if Doug is is safer or in more danger than Howie, but Howie's definitely on the chopping block. And we can tell more from his decisions at the
1: trade deadline than we can tell with Doug. Everyone's been talking about Eric Biennemi getting this head coaching job. Of course, the offensive coordinator of the Kansas City Chiefs. Maybe the next <laughs> OC in Kansas City is Doug Peterson, the old OC.
0: Ooh. Because and then Bien-Aimé He loses does. his yeah.
1: gig this year. <laughs> Just revert right back to Kansas City where, where life was good, baby.
0: I think Doug is safer than Carson, but that's, RJ, that's my I take. Mean, you've had you've had plenty of time to, to <laughs> chat. It's time for my quick hits.
1: <laughs> the New York Jets, unless the plan is a plan that Gase and ownership have decided that they will indeed lose every game for Trevor Lawrence, you need to get rid of him like an hour ago, yesterday, the day before, last week. Look no further than Ryan Tannehill. Look no further than what Le'Veon Bell is about to do next week in Kansas City. Look no further than entering every single game with a 0% chance to win. So they get blown out by the Dolphins. Let me check my watch here. It's also two a time. Congrats to the young man sitting at the 50-yard line, FaceTiming his parents. That's a feel-good story. All right. Another thing. Don't bet against teams the first day of a new coach. I don't have the stats in front of me, but it's got to be like a 90% win percentage. Congrats to Matt Ryan and more importantly, Gina Thomas, who... You picked the
0: Vikings, Pete.
1: What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I do want to give you guys a, a harsh reminder here. On the other side is the 1-5 Minnesota team that was supposed to be good. The Vikings gave Mike Zimmer a contract extension in the offseason. What are they going to do? enemy is available. Just want to get that recommendation out there. Hate hate to have to address this publicly. Usually, like we, do, we like to do it in-house, but Teddy Bridgewater embarrassed me on the SB Nation Instagram story channel. <laughs> I told the people that Teddy and I were not buying into the magic of foals. I was trying to be the best Ted head that I could possibly be. And here he throws two picks in a 23 to 16 loss. The bears, by the way, we talked about it five and one, the worst five and one football team I've ever seen.
2: Yes. By the way, Um, I got to get this in before, before we wrap up because I have not done. The Yeet of the week.
0: Oh yeah! The uh, best damn, award I was
2: hoping that, that you
1: Football forgot Monday about Monday it. Does. Awards are my thing, and and you had you'd made one out of the blue. I was people gonna
0: listen for the Yeet of the week. Pour yes. one
1: out. Who was the Yeet of the week?
2: Fine, do it. Colts, cornerback, rock your sin, more like rock, rock your world as the two time Georgia State (laughs) wrestling champion took Gio Bernard for a ride with a German suplex that would make Kurt Angle shed a tear. I'm talking my perfect form on this thing. He's done this before, and I've got the picture of it on my timeline. If you want to see him like mid throw, he slapped tossed little Gio onto his head. And yeah, he got a flag for it. But this was like a Brian Dawkins-level suplex. I know it's usually reserved for for big-time quarterback throws, but this, rock You Sin,
1: year of the week. Dare ya say you just got jacked up, am <laughs> I right?
0: Pete, you mentioned uh, being embarrassed on the ESPN Instagram story. I also fell victim there. I said that the Green Bay Packers would win the Battle of the Bays, so not a great look for us on the gram this particular week. I do want to say that I feel like the Pittsburgh Steelers are – Like Mike Tomlin is somehow never mentioned in in these discussions that we have. You mentioned Le'Veon Bell, Pete, and and hopefully he is a a great player for Kansas City. But I mean, it's a it's it's astounding. That he managed Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown and had all the success that he did. I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for that. And and they don't get enough credit, you know, for doing what they do. Blue college just get it done. The the Browns are the kings of, we won a couple of games, so you have to respect us. If everybody, How dare you not have us higher in your power rankings? The Browns were reminded that they have a lot of work to do. Baker Mayfield, I know there was the rib injury and everything, but benched. In this game, shout out to Pittsburgh. I just, I I love the way they work. I mean, they get it done.
1: I have a point there with Mike Tomlin too. They had this whole bye week thing where they did nothing and then lost their bye week because they prepared to play the Titans and they couldn't. And then Tomlin just looks into the camera for the media and goes, we don't care. They, you know, like they're just going to take their bye week whenever it is. You're right about the blue collar feel. And that's why he's one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL. And kudos to the Steelers franchise in this merry-go-round league with head coaches. They've had staples in their franchise, you know, staples, staples staple, staple. And, and so it's impressive. That's an impressive thing for a league, you know, that's what, 100 years old now.
0: I think we would be remiss. Uh, yeah, P- NFL one hundred last year. Get okay, right. We would be remiss. Right.
1: It is. It is the dalm. It is the Dalmatian <coughs> year. You're correct. I'm sorry, Go ahead.
0: Well done. Look at that. Uh, we we have not spoken since Tuesday night football last week happened. I did want to get you alls thoughts before we leave, and we gave a lot of love to the Titans, obviously early on at the top of the show. But this whole like everybody was mad at us thing. Yeah. For good reason. (laughs) Like you dug that hole Titans. Um, I don't know how I feel about the Titans kind of turning themselves into underdogs here. I think
1: sometimes there are in league things that don't really make sense to the outside world. A lot of players emphasize practice so much where it's like, if you miss practice, it's hard to be in shape for the game day. And I bet you the way that they are looking at it is like, we needed to practice, not to say that it was correct or anything, but that's this mentality. And players will literally do anything to be this underdog type of deal. And it, it just comes off really bad, as it should. But it, it, it might be more of like one of those in-house football things and, than we realize. I'm not saying that I like it. I mean, I'd, I'd rather the Titans have lost the last couple of games. But here they are undefeated. It, and I'm looking forward to that matchup next week.
0: Well, we said it all. <laughs> we said it all. Looking forward to the podcast tomorrow. Shout out to Brandon are Lee we, are, we, are we, though? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure we are. I was going to say, happy belated birthday to Brandon Lee Gotten. I saw, what are the Eagles, like 0-4 oh on his birthday in his life or something like <laughs> yeah. that. You know, a happy belated birthday to him. And while we're at it, happy belated birthday to, to stats. I don't know exactly when his birthday was, but I know we didn't say happy birthday, so happy belated to him.
2: And to every single listener that
1: is listening right now, we're sorry we missed your birthday. I have one on us
0: <laughs> yeah happy belated to everyone really
1: unrelated or maybe related i mean my birthday's coming up next month so we'll have to definitely discuss that one <laughs> approaches yeah, here nobody cares uh, november 10th I, i'll be 32 yeah, rap, yeah. my so birthday no
0: no joke my birthday is actually tomorrow october 20th so <laughs> happy
3: birthday to you happy birthday
1: bud
0: <laughs> it is what it is i love you both <laughs> more than anything more than life more than air <laughs> everybody we love you more than life more than air thanks for listening this was monday football monday don't ever listen to the podcast we'll see you next week G N.